Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our Sunday morning online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here, and I believe that God's Word will build you up to do the things that He has called you to do, and more importantly, to be the person that He has called you to be. Praise God. Now, we're going to open up today's service by receiving the holy tithes and offerings, and I would like to read a verse to you from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, every word of God in the Bible is going to see its fulfillment. And there have been times in history's past where there have been what we would call wealth transfers. And I believe that we are going to come into not just another wealth transfer, but perhaps we could even call it the end time wealth transfer. Again, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Let's be very clear in the sense that we're not covetous or desiring anybody else's money. I'm not looking around for other people's money or for some sinner to give me money, and I'm not trying to drop hints that, hey, why don't you give me some money? Uh, th this is something in a different category. So we're not covetous people walking in the flesh doing silly things. This is different. This is a move of the Spirit of God where several things are going to happen that will bring fulfillment to this Scripture. One, which is our desire and God's greatest desire, is to see the lost saved. And that includes not only the poor, not only those who may be considered financially average, but it would also include those that would be wealthy, those that perhaps would even be in categories or classifications of having ultra wealth or very high net worth. And we're going to see sinners who have great storehouses of wealth, we're going to see them get saved, give their heart to Christ, and the Lord's going to touch their heart to support His work. And so there is going to be a transfer into the kingdom of provision, and we're going to see this scripture fulfilled, and we're going to use this provision, uh, not so I can go out and buy 6,000 pairs of shoes, we're going to use it to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. Because it does take finances to send the gospel forth, to print Bibles, to print books, to buy airtime on television, to keep the lights on, and on and on it goes. The wealth of the sinner is stored up. Now, it has been stored up, but I believe it's moving. It is moving, and it's going to move to the righteous. And I believe that the Lord can even orchestrate things in a way where you're touched through this blessing, and you're freed up to do the work of the Lord. You're freed up to be more involved in the things of God. Praise the Lord. I see things happening for you as well. 
Now, there will be those who are in the category of sinners, those outside of Christ, who will not yield to the gospel message and will continue to try to not only hoard, but guard and protect their hoard of financial wealth, regardless of how it was accumulated. But it's going to begin to slip through their fingers. It's going to be like trying to hold oil in your hand. And we have seen over the decades, even recently, the great indicators that so much of the wealth that has been accumulated towards certain organizations has been done so in a fraudulent way, where there has been cheating and there has been the breaking of the law. But a lot of times for these large corporations, if they break the law and they get caught, and often they do, they get a fine. They get a penalty. But for them, it's just a slap on the wrist. And we saw a company not too long ago that received a $900 million fine for uh, their illegal, unlawful activity in their areas of investing. $900 million fine. Oh, but they made $90 billion through fraudulent means. So see, it's just a little slap on the wrist. But what I'm trying to say is there will be people in these organizations that they're going to get saved. They're going to get touched. They're going, they're going to want to release to the Lord uh, much wealth, praise God, and others that will not yield regardless of how the Lord would try to touch their heart. They're going to stay hard. It's going to still slip away. It's going to slip away, praise God, and it's going to come to those that have a heart for God. It's going to come to ministries that have a heart for God, and there could be quite a few of you that are watching where the Lord is going to cause wealth to be transferred to you because He knows you don't have grasping hands that want to take it and begin to do what they've done with it. So the first thing you will do is you will work biblical principles. Number one, you will tithe. And then number two, you will sow financial seed. You will give offerings. Praise God. And when you do this, it breaks the grip of greed. It, it breaks that power that's out there in the world that just causes so many to be consumed with, you know, money and the things of life and constantly grabbing. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Be open to this because the angels are already working right now to cause this shaking to come to pass. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just say one thing. I'm not talking about silly stuff that I would even call unbiblical stuff. I'm not talking about like one, well, uh, one minister said that he had this guy contact him. And the guy contacted him and said, you need to give me $100,000 because God told me that with that $100,000, I'm going to go to Las Vegas and I'm going to bankrupt Vegas by beating all the odds and emptying the slot machines and, you know, winning all the jackpots and stuff like that. So he told the minister, give me $100,000. I'll go out there and do that and I'll make billions and then put it back into the, into the work of the Lord. And the, the minister was like, this is total baloney. And it is. It's, it's, uh, it's stupid. On steroids. It's people that are deceived, that are actually full of greed and covetous, even if they 
they claim the name of Christ and we're not talking about silly foolish things like that we're talking about things that are very holy and sacred in the eyes of God where this is designated funds that have a designated purpose praise God for the end time harvest of souls praise the Lord and when those motives are pure and right then a person is now positioned to receive some very unusual extraordinary financial breakthroughs glory to God glory to God hallelujah the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous Psalm 103 verse 20 bless the Lord you his angels who excel in strength who do his word heeding the voice of his word bless the Lord all you all you his host you ministers of his who do his pleasure God's pleasure is to see his war his word performed and we are in a season where God is watching over that word of Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 to perform it I would like for you to be open to it because angels are working angels are shaking angels are shaking things praise God and there's wealth coming to the body of Christ praise the Lord you can tell I haven't been watching the news <laughs> I'm not sharing something with you based upon my report of looking at news I haven't looked at the news in quite some time I've been in the word I've been in prayer I've been in the presence of the Lord and I know what the Lord is up to right now so be ready for this be on the front line of what the Holy Spirit is doing praise the Lord because this this can change things for you overnight praise God and I'll have to say one of the greatest joys in life is paying the tithe hallelujah now if you're faithful in the little you'll be faithful over much because these are proven principles so should God cause a tremendous blessing to come into your life Wow! It, it, when it's joy to pay tithe on a thousand dollars I tell you what it's a joy to pay tithe on a million dollars praise the Lord the joy the joy of the Lord in obeying his commandments it is such a wonderful thing get ready for unusual breakthroughs hallelujah there are angels special category of angels that are working in this area right now to cause these shakings to come to place where the wealth of the wicked is moved into the hands of the righteous for righteous causes and righteous purposes now we are going to do all that we can to minister to any lost person with the love of Christ we're not after their money we're after their soul we want to see them come to Christ miss out on hell and gain heaven praise the Lord but I'm saying the Lord's going to take care of this he's going to he's going to take care of this when the people of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage and captivity 430 years of captivity they left with a tremendous amount of gold and gems and precious items and the Egyptians were just giving it to them so you would think why in the world would anybody just unload their wealth and give it to somebody and say take it and leave well some things had been going on as we're aware of the 12 you know excuse me the 10 plagues and other types of things but that was still basically a move of God 
in that area and a lot of angels working in these areas to persuade people to move upon their hearts to do this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, what it happens to me, what should I do? You keep working biblical principles. Stay humble. Stay grounded. Thank God for it. Pay the tithe 10% of all monies that come into you. 10% belongs to the Lord. I'm not just talking about money that you earn at your job. But 10% of all the monies that come to you, whether it's an unexpected inheritance or wealth that somehow got transferred into your life, 10% belongs to the Lord. And be generous. Give an offering also along with that. Praise God. Now, let's receive the tithes and offerings. As you do, I want you to be mindful that you are a, a candidate for Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. There are other scriptures, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22, or excuse me, verse 26, and others, James chapter 5, that do speak towards this end time prophetic event. But my friends, we're in, we're in the end times. These things are moving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Position yourself through obedience to God's word. Father, I pray that you bless your people and that you give them more understanding concerning your workings of this. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, that we're going to see many saved. Oh, God, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father. There's there's even those that are being marked for this, to be involved in this, to be recipients of this. Because you don't scoff at God's Word. You revere it as holy and sacred. And God's watching over His Word to perform it in the hearts of those that believe it. It will not be, it will not be accidental. It will not be luck or happenstance to who it happens to. It will be those who revere His Word, who fear the Lord, and embrace it as truth Glory to God. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for everything up front. And we thank you, Father, that even though the enemy would also try to spin counterfeits at times by trying to lure your people into things that will be that would be illegal or unethical uh, or the breaking of the law, maybe uh, uh, forms of tax evasion or uh, not reporting things that need to be reported. We thank you that we will have none of that. We will have nothing to do with any of that, but everything will be done according to the proper letter of the law. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for a heart for evangelism, a heart for the lost. We thank you that when you move, everything's beautiful. We give you praise. Bless your people. Thank you, Father God. Let them taste the strength of this scripture of Proverbs 13, 22. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, let's bring the tithes into the storehouse of God. We also have a special project that we're focused on right now, which is the repaving, the, res the resurfacing of the ministry parking lot. The budget for this is going to be just a little over $40,000. And so we are moving towards that. If you would like to sow a special offering into that, it would help us to move 
forward, and it would be greatly appreciated. If you have a designated seed for that purpose, just make note of that and say, uh, Pastor Stephen, this is for the tithe, and this amount is for the parking lot uh, resurfacing with the new asphalt. Praise God. Father, bless your people. We thank you. We thank you for exciting, exciting times in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. And one more thing before we move off the, this part of our worship service, the tithe and offering. Let me say this to you. Regardless of what is going on out there in the world with shakings or with persecutions against the people of God, let me say this. You're going upstream even if the current is going downstream. Even if there are multitudes out there thinking, how are we going to get our next meal? How are we going to pay these bills? I'm telling you, you're not here just to survive. God's anointing on you is to thrive, and you are going to go uphill, upstream as a miracle sign and wonder. This is not your time to survive. This is your time to flourish. There will be gross darkness in the earth, but this is your time to shine. The glory of the Lord will be seen on you. This is, you will not be seen in agony. You will not be seen in despair. You will be seen with the glory standing in the coolness under the protective shade of God's mighty feathery wing. You're going to be just fine. This is your time for explosive growth. This is your time of great lifting up in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord in the financial arena. Blessed be the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's take our Bibles today, and we're going to talk about high vision, H-I-G-H, high vision. By the way, if you ever smell evergreen or that scent of pine, that is a reference spiritually to eagle-type high vision. When you get up into the alpine heights, uh, things begin to clear up, praise the Lord, and you get up in the beautiful fir trees and the alp, you know, the, the, the pine trees that grow real, really way up high. It's a beautiful thing, praise God. And you're going to be able to see very, very clearly. We're talking about a high vision. Our key scripture today is going to be found in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2 primarily today. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me over there. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would unveil it so that we can see very clearly what Christ has made available uh, for us, how he has positioned us because we are in him. And Father, let us make good application of these truths and walk further upwards on Mount Zion. Thank you, Father God, until we come into the, the measure of the stature of a full man in Christ. Those of you that are ladies, Father, they come into that full womanhood in Christ. A mature believer representing Christ and His beautiful character and qualities. Father, we thank You for the work You're doing. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say, Amen. Now, the book of Ephesians, which is the letter that Paul wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Ephesus. 
is a letter that the theologians call superlative upon superlative. Just when you think Paul has unveiled another blessing that Christ has made available for us because he has redeemed us, and you think that's that's about all I can handle. If it gets any higher, I'm going to fall out. He unloads another revelation, and you see more of what Christ has done for us. And uh, I tell you what, it's a lot to chew on, praise the Lord. And we're going to see this very quickly as we're going to move into verse 1, Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, if you're watching this message and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are physically alive, but I have to tell you that you are spiritually dead. Oh, I know you're still walking around, still breathing. You can, you can laugh. You can have fun. You can eat, drink. But your spirit is dead. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live in a physical body. But don't be fooled by thinking the body is all it. No, the body is just the house or the tent, the temporary structure that you're in for your earth journey. But within your body is your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, and your eternal spirit. And you're going to spend either one uh, of two places with, uh, excuse me, forever. You're going to either go to be with, with Jesus in heaven, or you're going to go with Satan into hell. And then eventually, now remember, hell, which is in the center of the earth right now, hell itself will eventually be thrown into the lake of fire. And so will Satan and all of the fallen angels, all of the demons, etc. So you don't want to go with him. So there is a remedy for spiritual death, which we all inherited through our original father, Adam. And that remedy is faith and trust in Christ. Woo! Because he paid the penalty for the sin. And when we put our trust in him, you are born again within your spirit, and you receive new life. Praise the Lord. And you, he made alive. So I'm talking to believers. By the way, if you're, if you're watching and you're thinking, well, Pastor Stephen, I don't like it that I'm lost in my sins and I'm spiritually dead. Uh, well, then right now, you don't, you don't have to wait till the end of the message. Right now, you can get right with God. Would you like to do that? Well, if you've never prayed this prayer before, a prayer of salvation, pray it right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm spiritually dead. I'm dead in my sins. Jesus, you died for sinners like me. So, Jesus, I give my heart to you. I repent of my sins. And I turn to you. Save me now. Come into my heart. Write my name in your book of life. And I take you now. As my Lord, Savior, and King. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Welcome to the family of Christ. The family of God. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, a reference there to Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience 
among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Let me say this, for those that don't know God, that have rejected God, who have decided to have their own formulated type of righteousness, which is basically usually comes down to people think their good deeds will outweigh their bad deeds. But let me say this, all unrighteous deeds, all sin, there has to be punishment for it. And that punishment is separation from God. And that punishment is eternal damnation. So my friends, when it talks about children of wrath, it's there. It's there. Now Christ died to appease the wrath of God for those that would put their trust in him. But those that are outside of him, the wrath of God remains. Praise the Lord. The only safe place is in Christ Jesus and faith and trust in him. Without that, there's going to be full judgment for every sin that was ever committed. And there's going to be the penalty for that. Woo! Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that your life is right with God? Aren't you glad that you're not going to be in a mess like billions will be? Mm -mm. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. Trespasses is basically sin expressed through the meaning of if you see a property and it belongs to somebody else, it's not your property, and there's a sign that says no trespassing, and you go across that line of demarcation and you go on their property, what have you done? You've trespassed. You have violated a law. Well, God said, this is right, this is wrong. And so when you walk in righteousness and you do what's right, everything's good. But when you do what's wrong, ah, God said, you've trespassed, you've committed sin. You were not supposed to have done this. What are you doing here? Well, uh, Lord, I just, I guess my feet brought me here. Well, uh, Lord, the devil made me do it. Well, you know, we chose to do it. And that's what trespasses are. Even when we were dead in trespasses, now, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Now, we've come into Christ, and we have been saved. We've, we have been forgiven of all of our sins, all of our iniquities, all of our trespasses. All of them were placed upon Christ when He went to Calvary and bore all of our sins for us. Woo! So the penalty, the wrath that we deserved went on Him instead. Mm -mm. Praise God. Now, verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, this is what God the Father has done by the power of the Holy Spirit for the believer. That would be you. He has raised us up together. He's already done it. In a sense, it's past tense. And made us sit together. Past, made us. Not going to, going to. He's already done it. It's past tense. And made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
Now, I would like to talk about the reality of something that already belongs to you. And let me contrast it with the example of righteousness. The moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of your sins were forgiven. And you are now in Christ. Remember, Christ is in God. So you are now in Christ. And what the Father did is that the righteousness that His Son has, when you became a believer and came into Christ, that righteousness of Christ was imputed into you. Woo! That's, that's a lot to meditate on, but it's the truth. It is a reality. Well, Pastor Steve, I'm just a dirty old sinner. No, hold on just a moment. We used to be dirty old sinners, but now, technically, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Woo! And that's a beautiful thing. So righteousness has been imputed into you. Does it mean we're perfect? Does it mean that we're never going to sin again? But, you know, if we, if we sin, we're just like, Father, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. I, I, I repent. Forgive me. You're good to go. But also that righteousness is a standing that you have with God. And should the, the devil come around and, uh, you, you know, and say, hey, don't you remember all the sins you've, you've made? And he tries to condemn you. And don't you remember you did this and you did that and you, you did all of that? Well, it's been washed away with the blood of Jesus and you are in right standing with God. You have righteousness. He doesn't. The devil doesn't. But you do. And that's just something that God did for us. And it's because of that righteousness that we can come into his presence. You can't come into his presence if you're, if you're defiled with sin in the sense as coming in there and hanging out with God. No, you couldn't. You couldn't do that. Praise the Lord. But now we can go right into the throne room of grace in our prayers, in our time with God because of that righteous standing that Jesus has. We have it too now. Praise the Lord. Now, that's an example of how we also have been raised up. See, we're not waiting to be made righteous. That has already been imputed into us. Nor are we waiting to be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are already there from a positional place in Christ. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I, I certainly don't feel like it. I I certainly don't, I don't, uh, it doesn't seem like I am. I'm, I actually, I, I'm kind of defeated in many areas. If, if I'm so defeated and I'm having such a hard time, how in the world could I be seated with Christ? Which if I'm really seated with Christ, that would seem to me to be like a position of ruling and reigning with him. So what's going on? What's going on is that just as righteousness is your true identity, that's your true standing as a Christian. And it, can take a little while to come into that understanding. And before you really know that, the devil can beat you up with condemnation. And trust me, that's something that I dealt with for quite a few years, being raised in a certain denomination that was just real condemning in some ways. And we didn't mean to be. We just didn't know who we were in Christ. <laughs> and so because of a wrong view, we never saw ourselves as righteous. We are always saw ourselves as unworthy and, uh, you know, not fit to really make it to heaven. And maybe we'll make it in by the skin of our teeth, or maybe we could barely reach up and uh, pull ourselves in or something like that. 
We never really understood what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary. And if we had, and so much of that is unveiled through the epistles, not so much in the gospels, but in the epistles, if we had understood that, we probably would have thrown out some of the songbooks we're singing from because uh, most of those songs were just full of, uh, you know, we're unworthy, we're just so unworthy, uh, dirty in your sight and unclean. Well, I mean, we sang some songs that were really uh, extremely unscriptural. And those wrong songs and then, you know, wrong messages just reinforced a sense that we were not worthy. We had no righteousness. We had no true standing with God. But the fact was, we did. Well, the same thing uh, begins to happen when you begin to walk close with the Lord. Yes, you begin to get a, a grasp on what we would call foundations of faith, such as your right standing with God, you know, the the, uh, the believer is saved by by grace through faith, and the just shall live by faith. So you you begin to grasp the basics, the principles, as you walk close with the Lord, and then you begin to get some insight, and there's some other startling realities and truths, and not just insight, but you begin to let it begin to work in you. And you begin to realize, you know, this is real. This is true. You know, there's other scriptures in the New Testament that says we're priests and kings to our Lord, our God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't see how that can be. We're just a bunch of, you know, uh, we're just a bunch of losers. Yeah, well, I was in a service one time and the pastor got up and said, you know, we should be looking like we're all tore up from the floor up. And she, you know, she basically said, that's how we all look. And I, you know, I was, I was a guest preacher, minister, I had to come up and minister after all that, after all of the berating and beating down upon the sheep. I mean, it's like she had a club. She was beating the sheep with a club. I had to come preach after that and let them know that they did have value in the eyes of God. They did, they did have worth. They did have potential. And so, you know, you can look at all this stuff in the natural and you could just think, well, what's going on? Get back on the word. You are a priest. You are a king. Now, that's a different message. But I want to get back to this place where you are right now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And this is a reality that begins to unfold as you walk closer with the Lord of your true identity as a believer in Christ. And people have wondered, well, Pastor Stephen um, if I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, uh, what am I doing while I'm seated there? Uh, like what's going on? Well, first of all, it's position that you have that even if you were persecuted and drugged through the mud and you were chained and whipped and beaten, you're still in that position. It's a spiritual position of being seated with Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's a position of ruling and reigning. He reigns in your heart. But let me tell you, there's also an outworking of it in your life. And that outworking brings glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now listen to it again. He's raised us up together. That would be together with Jesus. And made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So you come into this reality where you realize 
particularly during deep times of prayer, that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Fascinating. Pastor Stephen, if I'm seated, which of course you are, what should I be doing from my seated position? That's what we want to talk about today. Now, let me say this. There is this element of seated with Christ that is a reality and is a big part of your Christian identity. And while you're there, you're going to be doing certain things from that place. Why? Why would I do that, Pastor Stephen? Well, because it's a place that's above everything else. And this is what I'm talking about today with the high vision. When you get up high, and there's no higher place than being seated with Christ. There, there's no higher place. <laughs> because you're in this glory realm, seated, and you're able to look down because you're above it all. Well, Pastor Stephen, it seems like it's all above me. Now, that's the circumstances. But you get in faith, and you get into the Word, and you begin to see clearly. And from that position, you're going to, be, you're going to begin to iron out some serious details in your life. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God is going to flow in you. Well, Pastor Stephen, I need it because my life's got a lot of problems. Well, what if, what if Jesus came and stepped into you for the next 24 hours? Do you think he could start setting your life in order? Yes, he can. He could walk you out of anything. Oh, you, you don't know what I'm up against, Pastor Stephen. Well, if Jesus showed up, he would know how to deal with it. He would know exactly what to do. And trust me, he'd be walking out of it. You know he would. Okay, so he's in you. You're in him. You're seated with him. And while you're in that seated position, this vision, the ability to see with the wisdom of God and the clarity of God begins to touch your intellect. It begins to touch your mind. Now, one of the things that begins to happen is that clarity the high vision helps you to see what your unique assignment and calling is so that you stay in your lane and you don't get over here or over there, start trying to do everything else under the sun because you saw somebody else do it. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, uh, it worked for them. God called them to do it. Yes, we're not saying God didn't, but we're, we're saying this. Did God tell you, though, to do that? Well, I don't know. I'd, I've never really uh, gotten to a place where I've gotten that all figured out. And that's very, very important. Why? Here's why. Because, as the prophet Kenneth Hagin said some years back, one of the most amazing statements, and I still meditate on it at times because it's a powerful statement based upon Scripture, and this is it. This is what Brother Hagin said. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Okay, let me say that again. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Praise God. Can you imagine the frustration, the uncertainty 
of using your faith for a specific thing, and the whole time you're doing that, you don't even really know if that's God's will for your life. So what's going on on the inside of you? Mixed signals, uh, an uncertainty that you try to cover and bury, maybe with busyness or, or noise or activity or just stuff swirling all the time. But that's that thing in your spirit that says, you know, I don't know if that's even God's plan for my life. Hmm. How do you get all that ironed out? Well, of course, by knowing what God's will is. And I'm not just talking about the scripture. Because this doesn't tell you what state to live in. This doesn't tell you what job you're supposed to accept. This doesn't tell you what color carpet or marble floor you're supposed to have in your house. Some of these things, you're just going to have to get it from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Woo, praise God. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So, you're going to have to remove all forms of doubt and uncertainty and unbelief in order for your faith to hit on all cylinders. And there, if, there's, if it's not, it's like you've got bad gas and the engine's not going to work right. One time I had stopped at a gas station and filled up my motorhome and I was going down the um, uh, I-40 and uh, going through somewhere in New Mexico and I had gotten some bad gas uh, something from the gas station. The gas was no good. And it, it caused my, my engine to shut down. And it shut us down right at a little ledge there. I barely had room to pull over. And the traffic was going right by us, just like two feet away. And it was going on the other side. And there, it was just like a really, really tough spot. But the Lord got us out of it. I was able to call my father on the phone. He told me some things to do to try to work through it. And much to my relief, there was a gas station only five miles ahead. And we made it there after I was able to um, get through that ordeal and uh, got some good gas in there. Praise the Lord. But uh, this thing of bad gas is like having doubt and uncertainty. It keeps your engine from working the way it's supposed to, your engine of faith. And you can't, you can't really take hold because you don't even know if that's God's will for you. Maybe it was for somebody else, but you don't, you're never really certain. Is that the path I'm also supposed to walk? So you have to get all that ironed out. Yes, Pastor Stephen, when and where do we do that? Oh, you do that in that heavenly realm while you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You get it all ironed out up there. And then things flow smoothly down here. Who praise the Lord. Mm-mm. While you're seated with Christ in that place of deep prayer, in the very presence of God himself, you sit with him and you plan with him. The Holy Spirit working with you the whole time so that you get precision in your life's choices, precision, precision, precision. And you know that you know, I'm on target, I'm on track. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Proverbs chapter 24, please, which is the book of wisdom. Proverbs 24. Let's go to verse 3. Mm -mm. 
Through wisdom, a house is built. Now, this house can symbolize your life. Maybe your minister can symbolize your ministry. It could symbolize your unique career field that God has for you, the calling He has for you. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. These different chambers of your heart, these different areas and compartments of your life, each one being very important to you, all of them being built up, beautified. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And this is you ruling and reigning over your house or over your world, your life. You are called by God to govern your life. Well, I want to get over there and tell him what he's supposed to do. No, you need to get back on your assignment and then live the way you're supposed to live. And that light, that example, just people seeing that will say, oh, I need to change things up. Uh, things are working so good for that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change things up. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God helping you to build the house. Build the house. And I might as well touch on this since we're here. You continue walking in that wisdom you're most likely going to end up owning a house as well. Maybe more than one. Through wisdom, a house is built. It's that wisdom of God touches you. Don't be surprised to find yourself sooner instead of later, sooner than you think in home ownership. Through wisdom, a house is built. Praise God. Now, while you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, there is a planning that takes place. There is the mind of God that is revealed to you by the Spirit of God. So you sit with Christ and you plan. You plan it all out. And there has to be details. This is very important for the angels because oftentimes they want to help. But they look at your life and there's, there's no direction. There's no plan. And they're like, we're not really sure which direction he's going in. So we don't, he's all over the place. And so there needs to be clarity, purpose. It needs to be understood. It needs to be written out. You need to know where you're going. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's all a part of building your house. Through wisdom, a house is built. Through wisdom, through wisdom. So you sit with Christ and you plan. One of the funnest things to do with God is to go in His presence and just hang out with Him, spend time with Him, and then you can start getting hit with these. It could be it could be small scale. It doesn't have to be like a full blown open vision, but you start getting these ideas from the Lord, and you start you start getting this creativity that starts to flow into you, and so you take your pen and you can start to plan and write down what it is that God has Taylor designed for you to live. Well, I want what so-and-so has. 
mm, if you actually were not designated by God to go down that path and you did go their path, you would be unhappy. You would be, you would be unhappy. Now, may you never hold ever what God has not intended for you to hold. I want to hold what they're holding. No, no, you don't. You, you really don't. You only want to possess what he says. This is your inheritance. Mm, I'm smelling frankincense right now. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. See, the path that he has for you is the blessed path. Praise God. Mm -mm. Don't be a copycat. Be an original. That doesn't mean that you can't be inspired by somebody else. That's wonderful. It doesn't mean that you can't maybe even go in a direction that, well, others have walked this path. But let me just say that your specific route will be uniquely yours. Praise God. And there will be some, uh, some big differences. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's very important to understand. So you sit and plan in the heavenly realms. You're seated with Christ. You sit and plan. You build out your house through wisdom. Next, you, this is very important. You sit and speak. Praise God. God himself spoke and said, let there be light. Or in Hebrew, it was even shorter, light be. And there was. Praise God. Light is a wonderful thing. So there is the confession of faith, the confession of God's word. And you get close with God and walk with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit swells up on the inside of you when your faith is full. And out of your mouth comes these statements of bold faith. And you, you end up saying, this is what I'm going to do. Wow, you think, wow, that just rushed out of me. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Oh, and some of you think, oh, Pastor Stephen, that's, I, I, I don't know if I'm really into that. Hmm. Let me talk to you married folk just for a moment. Some of you that maybe think you're not really into that. Men, you stood at the altar. The preacher stood in front of you. Your bride standing on your, just to your right. The preacher said to you, Sir, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have in the whole to cherish, and on and on the good, the, good, the good statement. And he looks at you and he says, Do you? Did you stand there and go, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. They're not going to accept. Mm-hmm. She's not going to accept. Mm-hmm. She, with her own ears, wants to hear out of your mouth say, I do. Praise God. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not ready for marriage. And if you're not willing and ready to open your mouth when your faith is full and your heart is full of faith and the spirit is moving and speak forth. The utterance of faith, I will do this to the glory of God. By the strength and grace of God, this thing shall be accomplished in my life. If you're not willing to do that, 
you're not going to come into the fullness of what God has for your, for your life. Praise God. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus, had answer, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And that in the literal Greek text actually says, have the God kind of faith. God's faith is perfect, and that faith can come into you to believe for what He has assigned as your inheritance. And all of that gets figured out while you're sitting and planning. And after you've sat and planned, then you sit and speak. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Pastor Stephen, I'm believing God to heal my body. I'm believing God for this sickness to leave my body. When's the last time you spoke to the sickness and said, in the name of Jesus, Get out, you foul cancer. Get out of my body and be thrown into the sea in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So I'm just, I'm just telling you out of these high councils, faith is so strong that you want to take advantage of those high vision moments and address certain situations that need to be addressed. You speak to the debt in your life and say, debt. In the name of Jesus, you're leaving. Debt, I command you, be uprooted out of my life and be thrown into the sea in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm. What did Jesus say about that? He says that if we do not doubt in our heart, but believe that those things that we say, it will be done. He said, you'll have whatever you say. So you sit and say, you sit and speak, not just anything, specifically, precisely, as you rule and reign, not over somebody else's life, over your life. Praise God. You put your house in order, your house built by wisdom, your house in order. Praise God. Mm -hmm. So there is that time you sit and you say, you sit and speak. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, what else should I do? You must be consistent to sit and pray. Praise God. The plans are developed. You're making strong confessions. But we have greatly undervalued the power of effective prayer. We have so sold short God's ability to answer our prayers that it has reduced much of the church to a status of normalcy, of nominal Christianity. And this is changing. This has to change. Praise God. We must tap into the heart of God through prayer and again see God move in miraculous 
ways. Because for many of you, the only way these things are going to be unfolded and be answered and achieved is through God's miraculous power. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. How does faith begin? Faith begins by knowing the will of God. And so when you know and you're praying on target, I'm telling you, you're in the will of God and you keep really pushing in prayer, you're going to see God come on the scene. You're going to see God come on the scene and you're going to see a miracle. Praise God. You're going to see God do it. Let's go to the book of James. Praise the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It says in the Amplified Bible that it's dynamic in its power and working. My friends, when you hit those moments where you come into a time in your prayer life where suddenly you realize, I'm in. In other words, you broke through all of the distractions, all of the moanings and groanings of the flesh, all of the soulish nature that says, oh, what a beautiful day. We could be doing something else. And you break through and you know you're in the glory. I would greatly encourage you to do not come out of the Holy of Holies until you have emptied your heart in prayer. And I mean, when it says fervent, put the heat on it. Praise God. Now, this was the whole picture of the altar of incense back in the Old Testament, there in the holy place, which was placed right before the, the veil, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, praise God. What is that a picture of? Prayer carries you into the holy place. How do we know that? Because the altar of incense burned incense. So when the incense was ignited, it would burn and smoke would come up. What was that a picture of? Intercession, of prayer. And that smoke would actually go through the curtain and would work its way into the holy of holies. So it is prayer that carries us into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. And I think we need to get back to the ancient paths and we need to look at people like Elijah that prayed and God worked miracles in situations where all of the odds were stacked against the righteous, yet God prevailed because the people prayed. And the situation was changed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, when I say we're seated with Christ, so sit and pray, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't stand up. You maybe you want to walk around, maybe lay, uh, lie down. And I'll be honest, sometimes walking really helps me, particularly if your flesh is edgy, kind of like doesn't want to pray. So you kind of have to learn the tricks of how to uh, trick your flesh. So just maybe you start walking, but you're praying in the spirit. But after a little while, you realize I, I'm really starting to get into prayer now. Now you've forgotten about walking in the sense or whatever the attractions were. And now you can just start leaning into it. And let me tell you, when you're into it and you 
you know you're praying accurate again again faith begins where the will of God is known and you know that will has been revealed to you and I would say and you're you're in you're in the presence um, unleash the big the big cannons I mean go all out go all out pray 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 praise the Lord and you will come out of times like that knowing knowing and and saying you, you, it's gonna it's gonna come out it's gonna want to come out saying I've got it this is going through I know it why it creates so much confidence in those moments with the Lord of mighty prayer because you know you've prevailed before you ever even see it you know you've got it and yes you'll keep on praying but there's also a shift where there's there's praise there's thanksgiving and uh, it's a remarkable journey praise God we must get back to this praise the Lord now let me say this also first Corinthians chapter 14 when we're talking about prayer let's also look at verse 18 I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all now this is Paul referring to the great value of speaking in tongues and the more you speak in tongues and it takes faith to speak in tongues. So you're exercising spiritual gifts. You're, you're exercising faith. So the more you speak in tongues, the more you're exercising faith. And also, this takes you over into the area of revelation. Revelation, for example, the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book in the Bible, the word revelation means to unveil. It means to take a curtain and pull back and see what has been there the whole time, but you previously could not see it. It was veiled. So when you pray in tongues a lot, there is a revealing, a revelation, an anointing that flows that allows you to see God's tailor-made plan for your life. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. So he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all than you all yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue well of course here in verse 19 he's talking about the gift of tongues now first Corinthians chapter 12 we see listed the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit this is in reference to the gift of tongues and whenever you have the gift of tongues there also needs to be someone that would have the gift of interpretation or else if you stand up in a public assembly and you give a an utterance in tongues through the gift of tongues uh, but nobody can interpret it or there's no interpreter or you don't interpret it nobody knows what's going on so that's why Paul said, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Uh, excuse me. Yes, in a tongue. So you need to understand that your, your prayer language of tongues, your being filled with the Spirit and the ability to uh, speak in tongues, that's your residential tongues. And you always have that. And you need to be speaking in tongues often. Now, does that mean that you could have the gift of tongues for a, you know, a public assembly? Perhaps the Holy Spirit will flow through you with that. For me, 
it's always stronger for me in the area of interpreting tongues. So if somebody gives a tongue in a public meeting, almost always I've got that interpretation. Now, if somebody else has it and they, uh, and, and they go first, that's totally fine. But if nobody uh, stands up and gives the interpretation, I usually will because that will come to me very, very quickly. Just I can hear it. I could understand it. Remember, the gift of interpretation is not the gift of translation. So I'm not translating word for word what they're saying. I'm giving the interpretation of what they said. That's why the gift of tongue message could have only have been a 10 second message in tongues, but the interpretation to explain what they just conveyed could, could take, you know, 45 seconds or a minute or something like that. Cause I'm not translating. I'm interpreting praise God. But the truth is, is that the more that you speak in your personal tongues for your personal prayer life, the more sensitive you will be to the things of God, including most certainly the gifts of the spirit, as well as revelation of knowing God's will for your life. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Well, we see that Paul wrote two thirds of the new Testament. And that was a lot of revelation to be able to do that, particularly the book of Hebrews, which is very deep and the book of Romans, which is probably the most technical book uh, in the entire Bible. Uh, it, it took a genius to write it. And Paul wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy spirit. And it's, it's just supernatural. But it's very complex in many ways, very simple in many ways, but also such incredible depth. Praise God. But we see that speaking in tongues just helps us to grasp the things of God and even be able to communicate those things to others. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to encourage you, my friends, to spend time in this reality of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Sometimes while you're in that place in, in vision form, you can even see it. And I've, I've seen myself, I've actually have been caught up into that realm before. And I've actually have seen myself seated on a throne and I can see others. I can see activity in heaven. I can see things that are taking place and these thrones can be very high. And it's, it's a spiritual position in Christ. Glory to God. So I want to encourage you to understand this is your inheritance. God did not program you to suffer defeat. Praise the Lord. Now, in life, we are going to go as Christians through difficult experiences at times. That is for our development. That is for the maturity of our character in Christ. But even should we go through the most difficult of times, yet you must realize that in those moments, you are still a priest and a king under Christ. You are still seated with him. Where? In heavenly realms. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And from that position, you have the wisdom to live life skillfully. And the come through every trial. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
you, you will find yourself in some situations where you will stand there and you can either say the right thing that will release favor and usher you forward or, or you could say the wrong thing and the door close right before you and you find yourself unable to go any further Praise the Lord. But I believe that because you understand this heavenly reality of who you are and where you are right now in Christ, that you will stand and you will render righteous words, words of purity, words of wisdom that even startle the hearers at times. Praise the Lord. Sometimes they're going to ask you, would you say that again? Mm-mm. Why? It came... It came not from you. It actually came through you from the heavenly realm. It came from Christ. Christ, the wisdom of God. We have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. So I believe you'll say the right thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord to find yourself standing in some very interesting places in the coming days you must be operating with the mind of Christ you must be spending time in the holy of holies praise the Lord glory to God glory to God father I pray for your people that they will sit and plan I pray for your people that they will sit and speak. And I pray for your people, Father, that they will sit and pray and go all the way in. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I've said this before, but I feel greatly stirred of the spirit to say it again drink until you're full or you're when you're in the Lord's presence it took look it took you so much effort to get there it took so much sacrifice to get there when you're in drink until you're full praise God praise God thank you father God go into the overflow praise the Lord Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I see you in that place. Glory to God. Glory to God. And when it's time to conclude it, the Lord knows how to gently close the session. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. I was in a moment one time with the Lord, right in the presence of Almighty God, enjoying His presence. It's like I could have stayed there forever. And the Lord said to me through the Holy Spirit, your wife and daughter are really going to enjoy the Nintendo Wii that they just purchased. They're going to have fun with that. I said, oh. I said, okay, Lord. And 
the presence begin to fade out, the glory begin to pull back, and I came out of that holy place so happy and blessed and refreshed. And I walked out, and I saw my wife. I said, honey, I said, the Lord told me that you and Abigail are really going to enjoy that Nintendo Wii. She said, how did you know that we just ordered that? We, we didn't tell you. I said, the Lord told me. She said, the Lord told you about a Nintendo Wii? I said, yes. <laughs> they just purchased it, praise God. Amen. Mm -mm. Seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I'm, I'm, I'm tossing around the idea right now in my mind about telling you a little story. And I think I'm going to tell it to you. Praise God. Some of you, you have no clue how real this realm is. And that you actually are, talking to the believers, that you actually are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. You're just waiting till you die. Some of you, all you're waiting till you're, you're going to die, and then, and then you're going to go be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Yes, you will come into your full redemption. There, there will come a time you're going to come into your full redemption. Right. But right now, I'm telling you, you'd be shocked at what Jesus has already made available for you right now. As your inheritance right now. And that's what we find out in the epistles. And the truth is, is that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So I was spending some time once with Dr. Wade Taylor. Dear spiritual friend of mine. He, he laid his hands on me and transferred his mantle to me years ago. But I was spending the night with him one time. And we stayed up real late talking. And we were talking about a certain prophet. That had a very deep walk with God. And Dr. Taylor said, um, he said, Stephen, uh, and he, you know, he said, uh, uh, Wade Taylor was sitting in his recliner, and I'm sitting in another recliner. And sometimes we talk so late into the night, he'd fall asleep in the recliner. <laughs> Just before he would fall asleep, he'd say, now you make sure you go back and, and sleep. And I would I'd go back and sleep in his bed. And so he'd just sleep in the recliner sometimes all night. We'd wake up in the morning, have breakfast, and start talking about the things of God again. Now, we were sitting in these chairs. We're talking. Maybe you could say we were seated in our heavenly places. Hallelujah. It's even, even more fun when you're there, there in the nice lazy boy recliner. And we're talking about this certain prophet, talking, just talking about the deeper things of God. And he said, he said, Stephen, he said, I've heard the stories about that prophet. Yes, I've heard that he is caught up to heaven often. A real man on the earth that's caught up into the heavenly realm often. And he and I were sharing stories about this prophet uh, that we had heard from different people. And, and we both knew the prophet. And uh, Wade, Wade knew him a lot better than I did, of course. I didn't know him that much. But I did meet him one time. He invited me and my wife to his house. We spent, Kelly and I spent the day with him and so forth. But um, So we're talking about that prophet and Wade Taylor told me, he said, Stephen, I know another minister. I know this guy personally, and he's very trustworthy, and he's a very reputable minister. And this minister was not, uh, how can we say, he was not like one of these guys that has supernatural things happening all the time. That's, that was not his 
that was not the kind of walk with God that he had. But this minister did love the Lord, and this minister had a supernatural experience where he found himself being caught up into the third heaven. And it only happened once to him, and he told Wade about it. And this minister said, I found myself caught up into the third heaven, and I'm walking around in the throne room of God area. And he said, there were a lot of people there. There were angels there. There were heavenly creatures there. There were redeemed saints there. Now, not a whole lot, because you're right in that area where the throne room area is at. So uh, it's intense. So there, but there are those that are coming in still. And he said, I was there. And he said, you wouldn't believe who I saw. And Wade said, who did you see? He said, I saw that prophet. I've never met that prophet. I, he said, I saw that prophet walking around up there. And uh, he thought, that's wild. Well, anyhow, that minister, he had his, maybe you could call it once in a lifetime type wild encounter like that. And he told Wade about it. But Wade said, that's not the rest. That's not the end of the story. My friend, that minister who was caught up and, you know, saw the heavenly realm and was in the, the actual throne room realm himself. He said, Wade said, two weeks later, that that minister friend of mine was in a conference where that prophet was speaking. And after the conference, the conference was in a hotel conference center. After the prophet got through speaking, he walked back to his hotel room to go rest. And while they were going various directions, they happened to cross paths in the hallway. They met in the hallway that they've never met before. And when they crossed paths in the hallway, that, that esteemed prophet, that old prophet stopped and said to that minister, now, he said, wait, wait just a minute. I've seen you somewhere before. Oh, that's right. Two weeks ago, I saw you in the throne room of heaven. And uh, that minister told Wade, he said, can you believe that? That guy saw me up there. And I saw him. Mm -mm. Now, that was, that was what that prophet was known for, being caught up. Being caught up. Oh, Pastor Tim, I don't know about all that. Well, then one day when you get to heaven, you can sit in all of the 101 classes and learn it all and go through all of that, that there you'd be shocked how many on the earth already know. Mm -mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Whoo. Praise God. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, that prophet that was famous being caught up like that and his faith was very strong in that it was so strong that he could pull others up with him and that's what happened to me when I met him for the first time in in a conference in New Mexico and he looked at me and said do you want to go up uh, I said and I knew exactly what he was talking about I said yes and he, he touched me just like that when he touched my forehead whoosh, my spirit now, my body still there in the room, but my spirit shot straight up into heaven. And suddenly I found myself in heaven and I began to tell him what I was seeing. And when I would tell him what I would see, he, he would say, this is, you know, this is what what's going on. And he would say, now keep walking. And 
<laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just saying, my friends, this, this realm is very real. And being seated with Christ helps you to live the life of the overcomer here in the earth. Now, this message that I'm preaching is, is sent out to many different directions. There will be those who are behind prison bars. You're going to hear this. Let me say right now that you, can have, a, you, you have an unusual position that although you may be incarcerated, you have an unusual position where you can really draw near to the Lord. Look at the, look at the prison as a monastery. Look at yourself as being a monk. Maybe you're married, and, you know, your, your spouse is outside of prison, but you're there. Make use of it. Draw near to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will start to, you'll start to sense that pull, and you will have those times, whoosh, up you go. Now, that's something that that prophet was very highly developed in. But you can develop that anointing, too. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And there's others that will hear this message, and you're in persecuted countries. You can't get out. You can't do much because of your faith in Christ and the risk that are involved with that. But right where you're at, even if you're shut in, you can be shut in. And you can go up. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you're shut in and you go up, but not all the way to heaven. And you go up and boom, you're translated somewhere else. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The end time work of preaching the gospel to all the nations will be expedited by supernatural translation Two people, because there are some areas that are too dangerous, we'll never be able to get a, a, a translation into their language in. We're never going to be able to go there and preach. It's too hot. So we're going to have to be translated there in the spirit and minister and then come back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me go a little further. This realm... I would call it the Enoch realm that those who walk close with God are aware of changes at times. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because some graduate on. Let me give you an example. A year and a half ago, I was talking with an apostle friend of mine overseas. We were talking about the Enoch company that that is around the world those that have a walk with God like Enoch and certain awareness that we have of that group and we got off we got off our conversation we ended the con got off the phone and I had gone into prayer afterwards and the Lord spoke to me about another minister here in America, and said, that minister, he's one of the Enoch company. He is in the top 100 in the world who walk with me. Mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, what do you mean, though? It changes. He just went to heaven. His life ended. He lived his life out, and he went on to heaven. What does that mean? It means that there's 
there is constantly an invitation by the Spirit to come into the deeper walk mm. and to step into places that are open, sometimes vacated by very godly people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-mm. And the angels help direct God's people into the path of holiness, into the, ha- the path of hot pursuit of the Lord. Be very, very careful in these last days with celebrity Christianity, because Jesus warned there will be many, not a few, there will be many who on the day of their judgment will, will say before the Lord, many ministers will say, but Lord, in your name, did we not, did I not cast out demons and did I not do all these great works and work all these miracles in your name? And the Lord will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Mm. Praise the Lord. We must be intimately acquainted with the Lord in the times in which we're living. So we're not deceived by the fraudulence that's in the world, but also the things that would try to come into the church that would have a wrong spirit. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. I see the Enoch company rising. And with that, of course, is the high vision. Mm-mm. Now, Father, we give you praise. We ask that you would seal this message and these words with the precious blood of Christ. That the birds of the air that tried to swoop down upon the sacrifices of Abraham that the evil powers of darkness would not swoop down and steal the seed and take it from your people. But I pray that this message, which is the seed of your word, would produce the 100-fold harvest in the lives of the listeners. And we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And we all agree and say, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. The angels of God, there's many angels that are very near right now. Praise the Lord. My friends, let's get ready to take Holy Communion. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Please grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray over it. Father, thank you for the bread. Thank you for the juice. We we consecrate it. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. We thank you, Father, that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for the body of the Lord, that we're in the body. Thank you, Father. Let us always uplift and build up our brothers and sisters in the Lord, doing good to those who are members of the household of faith. Thank you, Father. Let us do all we can to reach the lost. And Father, let us never neglect our own personal ministry with you, which is the most important thing of all, which is to abide in the vine. Father, we now receive the body of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't let 
the accuser of the brethren tried to condemn you and say you cannot go forward. You can go into the Holy of Holies because the blood of Christ has been shed for your sins. And you can go right into the very presence of God and you can talk to God and lift your face up to God. Glory to God because you are covered with the blood of Jesus. Your sins have been washed away. Praise God. The blood speaks on your behalf and says, He's righteous. He is in Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we can draw near. And because we can, we choose to do just that. Father, let this be a week of visitation. Let this week be a week of ascending. We give you praise. And let there be something, O oh God, where there is re that's released where this becomes not a visitation, but it becomes a habitation. Now we bless you. We thank you for establishing this in the lives of your people. In our lives, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we agree and say, Amen. Let's drink. Praise the Lord. Please lift your hands. Father, I bless your people. I thank you that surely goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life. We thank you, Father. I see them ascending up Mount Zion. Certainly not going down. Certainly not camping where they're at. They are moving upward. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your anointing to draw near. We bless you in Jesus' name. Father, I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.